Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. So today we'll be speaking about the leak from the Supreme Court. So on May 2nd, a draft decision from SCOTUS was leaked to Politico. This draft decision was a majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito and would overturn Roe v. Wade, the 1973 Supreme Court ruling that legalized abortion nationwide. And I will say this, I'm less shocked about Roe v. Wade being overturned because Republicans have tried to overturn this for years and the composition of the court reflects that. Trump's free nominees were essentially the nail in the coffin for Roe v. Wade. So I am less surprised that eventually they did decide to overturn this. It's a complete outrage, of course, but many people saw this coming, unfortunately. And I will say this, I really had some hope for Neil Gorsuch voting to upkeep Roe v. Wade, you know, upkeeping this very valuable precedent, you know, following in John Roberts' footsteps as well. But um, it seems that he has let us down, honestly. So I'm deeply disappointed in Neil Gorsuch and really in the entire court for this. I mean, this is the final draft, but knowing this court in particular, it may as well be set in stone. You know, so in the Lido opinion, it's no matter what John Roberts tries to write, you know, Lido's probably going to have the, the final say here. And he's the joker of the court. He has won. He has shown. Remember that Federalist Society speech he gave about liberals attacking the court and all that? He is. He really just wants the world to burn. He's, he's salty. He's salty at everyone. And, and I think it's important to remember, though, that when we talk about this actual issue, putting aside the court for a second, when we talk about this actual issue. We're not women, you know. We're, you know, you and I, Joshua. We're not women. We're not. We're not going to be directly affected by this ruling. So whatever this, whatever it's going to be. So we're just going to have to, you know, put that there, preface this. But you know, there's a lot of angles to look at this. But I think we're going to have to talk about this in two separate bins: actual issue of abortion, and and the court's legitimacy. Well, on the actual issue of abortion, what's basically going to happen now is that the abortion policy is going to be kicked back to the states. Multiple states already have trigger laws, meaning that it's, that as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, anti-abortion legislation will immediately be put into effect in these states. Abortion will basically become more of a partisan issue on the state level, meaning candidates running on the state level are basically going to be campaigning on the legalization of abortion. There will be no federal protections for abortion in these states, and it will be really difficult for women to access it. This means that the number of unsafe abortions is going to go up, which means that more women's health are going to be compromised. So this has very broad implications nationwide. And I think that on the topic, I know that many legislators, many Democratic legislators have put forward codifying Roe v. Wade into law through Congress and protecting this right for millions of women all over the country. But we have to be you know, realistic here. Unfortunately, that's not likely to happen anytime soon because Susan Joe Collins, Lynch. Susan Collins, the problem here, she confirmed, she said, oh, I'm going to confirm Kavanaugh. He told me Roe v. Wade was OK. I mean, this is on Collins. She and Lisa Murkowski, the only pro-abortion senators, Republican senators in the Senate, there's a possibility that they may join the Democrats in having codifying Roe legislation, you know, the first two trimesters. But right, it's not going to happen. Nationwide legislation is probably not going to happen. These state laws you just talked about, Joshua, they are horrific. You know, you're not going to ban abortion. You're not going to stop people from having abortions, and they're going to be incredibly unsafe because they're in back alleys. We're going to, right, we're going to be back to the 1950s. We're going to go back to the 1960s. Most of these, yeah, most of these and- bills, they, they go after rape and incest exceptions. 
which are actually favored by a vast majority of Americans. Not to mention that the first two trimesters of legalizing abortion, first two trimesters, they have majority support among Americans. So Louisiana, probably going after IUDs. Texas, having bounty hunters, for God's sake. You know, even if you think Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided, or like RBG, where it should have been under a different part of constitutional law, you know, not the privacy aspect, but equality, or, you know, doing what, what Schumer and Collins are doing right now and trying to do a, you know, codifying legislation. This law needs to stand. This law needs to stand because this, this is not, this is not safe. This is not ethical. I mean, look, look, if you're already anti-abortion, if you believe that abortion is murder, this is probably not going to change your mind. Yeah. And I think that especially in the light of the two, you know, especially with 2022 midterms and the prospects, I think, looking bleaker for Democrats as, you know, more national issues continue to build upon the potential of possibly codifying Roe v. Wade into law through Congress is, I think, unlikely to happen. And I think the real tragedy here is that there's really no branch of the federal government that's going to protect abortion rights now. The Biden administration's very much been a bystander for all of this. Congress is, like we've, we've spoken about, you know, deadlocked and, you know, with a deep partisan divide. And the Supreme Court has actually overturned this 1973 precedent. So really, like you mentioned, Jacob, you know, we're going to be going back to the years before Roe v. Wade, where there'll be a dangerous number of unsafe abortions and where the right to an abortion will be dependent upon the partisan leanings of the state, which I think is completely unacceptable. But I think the more surprising element of this entire thing for me is the leak itself, which is practically unprecedented in really in uh, Supreme Court history. This has really infuriated Chief Justice John Roberts, who has immediately demanded an investigation, which I believe will soon be underway. And there was some sort of failure of security measures in the Supreme Court, which have already been fairly strict, which suggests that the leak may have come from somebody with deep ties to you know, the justices themselves, but we're yet to see who that actually is. Nowadays, they're practicing newer measures now. So for example, I'll give you one. When the justices have their private conferences, when they meet, you know, privately in a room to discuss their opinions on, you know, cases, if somebody else wants to come into the room besides one of the justices, then they have to knock. And Amy Coney Barrett, who's the most junior justice, has to get up and actually open the door. So that's a new measure they're actually trying now. But either way, the security of the court has been deeply compromised, and so has its, its reputation, really. So I'm curious to see what steps justices will take to try to restore trust in the court. This, this leak, it doesn't really matter, though. It's a symptom, not the problem. We, we don't even know who did it. Yes, yes, John Roberts should be pissed that this got leaked. But a lot of this is on him. A lot of what's happening right now is on him and his court for routinely going after fundamental aspects of liberal democracy. You know, a lot of this is on Mitch McConnell because he has helped break the court. A lot of this is on Donald Trump. A lot of this is on Newt Gingrich. A lot of this is on these Republicans who have said, we're going to, you know, flip-flop on Senate norms. We're going to flip-flop on all these different rules and institutions. But again, that's not good for liberal democracy. This court is broken, bottom line. The people protesting outside the homes of Barrett and Kavanaugh that's bad, okay? Obviously, yes, they should not be made a private life. But you don't see Alyssa Milano breaking into the Supreme Court and smearing feces on the walls of Justice Barrett's office. Both sides are not equal here. This court has always had politicized elements, and the Supreme Court in general, back to the very beginning. This court has specifically been built as an arm of right-wing extremism. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but given Alito's opinion, they're going to go after Obergefell, they're going to go after Griswold, they're going to go after all these different rights 
that the Supreme Court has given in the past five decades, that's not, it's not hyperbole anymore. The door has been open. It's Pandora's box. You know, I don't see Roberts, for all his talk about institutionalism, putting it back in the bottle. Yeah, and I will say this. I think many people who are protesting now are saying that the court should be packed. But I, I continue to maintain this. I think packing the court is just a bad idea because packing the court has the risk of becoming a very partisan thing. I mean, what are the bounds to how to to the extent that the court can be packed and how many justices can be added? Does that right, mean it's, it's that... a game where it just they don't, it keeps building exactly. on it's itself. A, I, you know, I understand how people feel. The legitimacy of the court, the reputation of the court is pretty much at an all-time low or at least the lowest it's been in years, really. But I think packing the court, I would just caution against that because I think it would create terrible precedent that would, you know, really not improve the reputation of the court. In fact, it would only ruin it further. And we need a strong Supreme Court because it's one of the free branches of our federal government. And packing the court is just not going to help with that. Right. But, you know, Joshua, you said that the administration, the Biden White House has not had the biggest, you know, effect on this. They haven't really done, they haven't been as proactive as you would want. I mean, he had a permission on the Supreme Court reform. Remember that whole, you know, report that came out? They basically said, ah, you know, we don't really have anything to offer. It's broken, but what can you do? And in the Warren's tribe, you know, this major, you know, con- you know, constitutional scholar, he was talking about how this court is broken, and you know, he had all these reform ideas, and they basically knocked it down. Did not include in the report. Didn't include in anything. So the court, you know, packing the court itself, just adding more justices like FDR wanted to do, that's a bad idea because it just never ends. But you know, people who judge ran on court reform, you know, a, you know, having five Republican appointed justices, five Democratic appointed justices, and 10 justices decided on those partisan members. But, you know, even if you don't like that idea. But how, how would that but, work? You know, what if there's a tie? Well, then that, you know, that, that paper he referenced went into the whole detail. But, you know, if you don't like that idea, if that, that idea sounds like a bit, you know, out there, I mean, there's so many different ideas that could be implemented here. You could rotate justices from the appellate court. You could, you know... You know, term limits, long term limits of like 30, 40 years or something. Don't not have a situation where you have uh, Clarence Thomas or RBG just hang on till near death or Scalia. There's so much we could do here. Yet the administration said, okay, you know, it's not, you know, the ball is in our court. You know, we can't do anything about it. Once tribe needs to be brought, hauled in with, with Schumer and Pelosi for Congress, for Congress to actually get something like this done. At least fix the court. I know that's just, you know, more wish casting. I mean, I, I am curious. Do you think there's a prospect of, poss- of possibly having Collins and Murkowski balance out uh, Mansion and Cinema than having no. Harris be a tie-breaking vote? Do you think that'll not happen? No. Uh, I mean, I don't know the whole... Th- I, I, I'm assuming the filibuster might be used for some of this. I mean, I don't know what... I, I don't know the whole Senate parliamentarian rules for all, all the filibuster in these types of situations, but I do know that, you know, it's Mitch McConnell. They're, they're going to... He's gonna, you know, screw this over in some way, or the Democrats are just gonna like triple themselves, or Collins is going to be, you know, Susan Collins, make this as pain more, as painful as possible because this is what Susan Collins has done. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm really curious uh-huh. though. If it, let's say Collins had voted against Kavanaugh and that Kavanaugh's nomination had failed, do you really think Trump would have nominated somebody instead of Kavanaugh that would have like upheld and protected abortion? Well, okay, but that's not the point though. The point is that Susan Collins herself said in her inner speech saying why she would vote for Kavanaugh, had said that Kavanaugh assured her that Roe v. Wade was precedent. 
and he would not vote to overturn it because it was precedent. Gorsuch and Barrett said the same damn things, and they lied. They, they lied. That further undermines the court's legitimacy. But, here, but here's the real kicker. Here's the real kicker as to why I'm, I'm blowing up about this. So Citizens for Ethics crew put out the best you know, response to the leak. Quote, Jay Thomas sent messages to the White House about our plan to get the Supreme Court to overturn the election. Clarence Thomas voted to keep the White House messages about the insurrection secret. And you think a leaked draft opinion is the ethics crisis facing the Supreme Court? End quote. The real problem is that right-wing extremism has taken over this court, and all the people, from Susan Collins to Mr. McConnell to Justice John Roberts, have allowed this to happen. And they've enabled crap like this. This isn't about abortion. It is, but it's really not. It is about a coordinated attempt by a small minority of the U.S. population to game the system and exert maximum power. Tyranny of the majority does not apply here. And that is why, in addition to codifying Roe, Chuck Schumer should get out there, should should go back to D.C., should haul everyone in, and haul Mitt Romney, and haul Susan Collins, and haul Lisa Murkowski in, and get them to agree to court reform. Because this cannot continue. Well, I really think the Democrats do need a leadership change. They need somebody aggressive out there because we've been, I mean, let's admit this, Democrats have really enabled this to happen. I mean, you know, they've allowed Mitch McConnell to walk all over them with these Supreme Court nominations. I mean, we, we could have had a Merrick Garland. We could have had Biden nominate somebody after he had been elected president. But instead, Mitch McConnell had completely gamed the system and allowed for, you know, paved the way for Neil Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett to become the Supreme Court justices. I'm not sure I have a lot of confidence in Chuck Schumer, you know, or the Democratic leadership as it is now to hold their ground and actually do anything meaningful in Congress. I think the Democrats need to have a conference, lay out their goals and actually figure out, you know, how are we going to reform the court? How are we going to codify Roe v. Wade? But I think with the current leadership, it's just not going to happen. And this is why I am not a Democrat. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero's Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. Mm-hmm.